Welcome to Secrets of Tomorrow's Leaders. I'm Corin Young with RK Studios, and this podcast is produced in partnership with JCI Santa Clarita, and it's now available on YouTube, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Today's guest is a proven leader. He spent over two decades in management with huge businesses, training hundreds of people from shift leaders to executives. He's also started his own businesses and loves coaching people on how they could do the same. He just released a book called The 10-Step Workerpreneur, How to Start Your Own Business While Working a 9-to-5 and Balancing Life. It's always fun talking to him. Say hello to Corey Curtis. Hey. You know, it's funny with their names, Corey and Corian. It's sometimes when I've heard people call your name and I'm automatically thinking this mind. Like, I don't know. He's talking about Corian. <laughs> that that, that uh, happens to both of us. I actually went by Corey in fourth grade because uh, people made fun of, of Corian. Really? And, uh, and I didn't like it. I didn't feel like a Corey. Yeah. And so... When you hear Corin, I wonder you, you're probably thinking the same thing. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, my I, my ears definitely core. All I need is just hear just core. You know. <laughs> yep. Yeah, How's same. it going? Great, great. Uh, I'm excited to talk to you. Um, you did a training for us uh, a month or so ago on uh, servant leadership, and so yeah. I've been wanting to talk to you about your experience uh, serving and leading others because you've been working for a long time and kind of worked your way up you know, different corporate ladders. Right. And you, you mentioned to me before we started that your first job was when you were eight years old. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, um, my first job, I was acting. Uh, I started acting back in Chicago and I, I booked my first TV commercial. So that's my first job where I, I got a paycheck. Um, and it was a, it was a Michael Jackson talking Viewmaster commercial. It was, what a it was, cool gig! Yeah, it was. It was when Thriller was out. Everybody knows Thriller, right? Uh-huh. Um, so, Thriller was so big uh, that they had a Viewmaster. You know those little Viewmasters that oh, you I remember can, Viewmaster. Yeah, and yeah, and so they, it was the music video that they made. It was like you can watch the video through these Viewmasters. So, I, I booked the commercial uh, doing that that uh, Michael Jackson. You know, promoting the Michael Jackson uh, Thriller, and um, it was a it was a great great experience you know i didn't meet michael but just to be a part of that it, it was great how cool did, did you have any lines i did i did I, and i never would forget those lines this is one of those lines that every time you know I, I think even when i look at my kids and they're playing around i for whatever reason it'll just pop in my mind you know wow it's michael jackson in 3d awesome Uh, that is awesome. I get excited just hearing you say it. I want to go out and buy those uh, 3D <laughs> Viewmaster Thriller now. Yeah, that was my first gig. You did that for a while? How long were you acting for? Wow, I've been acting. You know, I act. Well, I don't act now, but I acted for uh, over 30 years, uh, about 35 years. Um, and it was something that I was really passionate about when I was a kid. Uh, I, I remember how it started. I, I was watching TV and I asked my mom, I was, I was at the kitchen table eating cereal, watching a commercial. And I said, hey, mom, I want to be on TV just like, like them. And she said, okay. And she actually went through the process of me taking headshots, finding an agent, and she helped me and took me on all my auditions just because I said I wanted to be on TV. That is you know? so cool. Yeah, when m- most kids are watching TV and they see uh, commercials for toys or cereal or whatever, they're right. saying, I want that cereal. Right, right, And you right. said, I want to be there pitching the pitching cereal. Pitching the cereal. And, and, and my mom said, okay, let's do it. So, and that's how it all began. You know, I just went on that journey and I, I got that bug, you know. So from eight through, you know, high school, I was... Um, I did, you know, a few TV shows in high school. Um, back in the day, this is when you were a, a, a baby um, on ABC and NBC. They would have the the Monday night movie or the Sunday night movie, mm-hmm. and um, I did a, a a movie called Howard Beach making a case for murder, and I I got my first major speaking role um, on that on that movie there. How and cool. Have you done other stuff that uh, that I, I would have uh, seen? Um, well, I so after high school, 
you know, went to college and then I decided to come to Hollywood to continue pursuing acting. Oh, that's and, right. You were from Chicago. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and so I, um, got to Hollywood and when I first, my first month here, I booked a TV show called Moesha, uh, with the singer Brandy. Yeah. It I remember was, that show. It was on UPN. So I booked the episode of that. And then from there, there was a spinoff show called the Parkers. And I worked on the Parkers for about four years, not as an actor, but as a stand in. But it was, it was really cool being on that set every day for four years because I, I met so many people. I, I really, it was, I was able to just go to the set and every week we'll have a new guest star. So that was when I met young um, Nick Cannon, you know, when he was 18. And everyone, I've met so many people, you know, Magic Johnson. And, and it was so cool that it's like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm ex- you know, building relationships with these stars, you know. And, um, and then from there, I, my last film or TV show that I did was, was House, which was on the Fox. I had a I had a one liner on there. I played security guard number one, and uh, that's a great role, right? Oh, it, it it took the world by storm, you know. <laughs> Do you remember your line? Yeah, it, it actually got cut. So it, the actual line was actually I, I can act it out since it got cut. Yeah, let's see it. That was it. Oh. <laughs> Thank Good you. Good job. Good job. <laughs> but you know the crazy thing about that is I, I shot that back in 2010. I still get residual checks from that to this day. That's that's living you the know, dream. You know? Yeah. It's, the, it's, the it's crazy. passive income. You, you got to love it. You got to love it. Yeah. So, so a lot of people that, that I know, because I was always into uh, movies and TV shows when I was in junior high and high school, and my friends went out and got jobs either working at the movie theater as a projectionist mm-hmm. or just just to be around movies and, you know, see the, the glitz and the glamour. Some of my friends went out and worked for Hollywood video or blockbuster video. And I know that you worked for blockbuster video. I did. I did. As you started out as a, uh, customer service. Yeah. Customer service rep. Yeah. So I started off as a customer service rep and, um, in North Carolina while I was in college, you know, it was, it was a great job to have because, I was able to get 10 free movies a week, you know? So <laughs> oh, that's why the perks, you, you got to love it, you know? So I, I did that. And then, um, in late 97, I moved to Hollywood. Uh, but I didn't want to work, at, you know, I wanted to, con- you know, pursue my dreams and my passion of being an actor, but I didn't want to work in a restaurant. I didn't want to be a bartender, but it was really cool that I could just transfer to Blockbuster and in Hollywood. So I worked at Blockbuster on Sunset Boulevard. It was a big two-story Blockbuster, the largest one on the West Coast. And I just grew from there, from being a customer service rep to being a shift supervisor, assistant manager. And then ultimately I became a manager, store manager, and a training manager. So, so you, you said this was 1997. 97 is uh, when, so- yes. 1995 is when like DVD officially launched and it started. Um, I think I first heard of it in like maybe 97, 98. So it didn't really catch on until maybe around 2000 ish. Right. But, but by then, Blockbuster was huge, was massive. Yeah. You know, and, 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 do you remember Laserdisc? Yeah, I do. I always <laughs> wanted a Laserdisc player. Um, I actually own Laserdiscs for like some really? of my favorite movies. I bought uh, ET, Jurassic Park, yeah, Back to the yeah, Future. Yeah. Um, Blues Brothers, uh, but I don't have a Laserdisc player. I know that Star Wars Laserdiscs are still very valuable yes. because um, that's the last time that they released like the original Star Wars without uh, the CG. Like oh, It's like yes, the old puppets yes, and yes, stuff. Yes. Once they started re-releasing on DVDs and VHSs, it was all like the manipulated version. Okay. So some, some diehard Star Wars fans right. love the Laserdisc. But yeah, I, I never did uh, get a Laserdisc player. I, uh, I skipped over it. Uh, we did buy as Philips uh, made something called CDI, CD Interactive, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we bought a couple of the discs because we figured out that you can play the AVI file on your Windows machine without <laughs> without the player. But wow. DVD was like the first like really mainstream uh, way to to get like digital movies at home. 
Yeah, no, with uh, when DVDs first came, I remember seeing my first DVD and I didn't know what it was. I, I was like, I, what is this? Because I was so used to the VHS tapes. And um, and we only had a small section of, of DVDs. We probably only had maybe 20 DVDs out of the thousands of videos that we had in the store. So only the rich and famous got the DVDs at that time. Uh-huh. Because you, you know back in the, those days, DVD players cost a lot of money. Yeah. And, and so really the people that had money, those are the only ones that got the DVDs. So we didn't have a lot of DVDs in my store originally. But to tell you something, it's really funny. What happened was um, the prices of DVD players dropped tremendously. You know, ninety nine dollars. I was just so going to say, once they drop below one hundred, that's when oh, we all started getting. Then them. everybody started to get DVD players, um, and then we started to get DVDs from the studios to rent out, and so our walls started to go from all VHS to half VHS, half DVD to all DVD. So I saw that transition from where we began with VHS tapes into. DVD and Blu-ray, you know, at that yeah, well, time. Yeah, Blu-ray was a whole different uh, beast later yeah. on. I, I was working for, for Warner Brothers uh, when Blu-ray and HD DVD were both kind of still battling them out. Yes, yes. And uh, and at the time, like half the studios have pledged their allegiance to Blu-ray, the other half to HD DVD, and Warner Brothers was the only studio that was doing both. Right. And I remember asking uh, one of my coworkers, who do you think is going to win between HD DVD and Blu-ray? Yeah. And uh, he said, uh, neither. I think DVD is going to outlast them both. And now if you go to like a Walmart or a Best Buy, they still, you know, they, they do have Blu-rays. There's no more HD DVD. It hasn't been for like, you know, a decade. Right. But DVDs are still, I think you see them even more on the shelves. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, they y- your friend was correct. You know, they, they are still there. They are still, I mean... I still buy DVDs, you know, uh, even though now you can stream them and all that. But, you know, it's funny when I was working at Blockbuster, uh, you know, how it worked was you would rent your DVDs. Uh, your custom, the customers will go watch it and then bring it back. You know, a couple of days later, they'll, you know, drop it in a Dropbox or come inside to, you know, return it. But we used to start seeing I remember I used to start seeing these red envelopes in my Dropbox and didn't know what that was. Uh-huh. And I was like, why, why are we getting these red envelopes? And then that's when I first discovered Netflix is from, from the DVDs that we used to get all the time. And it's funny because, you know, in our heyday with Blockbuster, you know, in 05, we were making so much money. We were making over $250 million just in late fees, just in late fees. And so when Netflix came around and you can keep the DVD as long as you want, no late fees, that was, that was the, the ax for us. You know, we, we... Um, Blockbuster tried to adapt. If I remember correctly, they changed to a monthly subscription model as well. They right. got rid of the late fees, which you're right, cost the company like $200 million. Like, yes. It, yes. It was, it was, but that was kind of the beginning of the end. Now, did... Did Netflix give Blockbuster the option to buy them? I th- I think yeah, that they did. Yeah, just like yeah. just like Pepsi back in the day told Coke, like, hey, you, if you want to buy us, you can. Otherwise, you know, yeah. we're going to compete. So what happened was, you know, the, the sto- basically, and I was around during this time um, because, again, in, in our heyday, um, I was I had a very successful store. I was one of the top store managers. So I would go out on trips all the time. You know, they'll fly all their top managers to Vegas for the weekend and, you know, and we will, you know, it'll be a, it was supposed to be a conference, but it really wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I flew, they flew me to Texas where my CEO at the time he lived. So we got to hang out on his ranch. So during all this time, <clears throat> we were making so much money. They were taking care of all their, you know, team members. Um, well, Netflix was struggling at the time and they did reach out the CEO of Netflix reached out to our CEO and said, yes, would you buy us? But at the time, because our CEO was, he was very arrogant. He said, we didn't need you. You know, we don't need you guys. You're not, you're not worth 
the, I don't understand what you guys are all about, and it's not worth it. So he basically just shooed him off. And that was the spark for Netflix to be go even harder and be, become even stronger. And so, like you said, yes, Blockbuster did have a subscription uh, system and with DVDs, but we were playing catch-up. We were copying them because we saw how successful they were. So then we had to try to figure out, okay, we need to do it too. And we did that. And not only did we copy them, but we also copied Redbox. So remember mm-hmm. Redbox, where you could just go to those red boxes and get your DVDs. So we said, you know what? We need a blue box. And so we tried to copy them. And But it was too late. We were just playing catch up. Yeah, I remember that. There was actually a road trip that I went on where I was able to rent a DVD from a Blockbuster and return it to any other Blockbuster. Yes, yes, yeah. We, we were trying to do that, but it just didn't work. It just didn't work for us. Um, and so, you know, we filed bankruptcy, you know, a couple of times. And when I was towards the end of my time at Blockbuster, we had gone through a bankruptcy. Um, we didn't have, you know, we weren't able to, people had lost trust and the studios had lost trust in the company. So the way it used to work, and this is, I'm going to give you a little inside scoop of what, 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 what went down. Yeah. So the way it used to work was the studios will give us DVDs, Warner Brothers, Sony, they will give them to us. We will rent them. And then the studios will get a percentage of the renting profit sharing. Okay. Well, when we had filed bankruptcy, the studios said, you know what, we're not going to give you those DVDs anymore because we don't know if you can make the money back. So if you want to buy, if you want to get the DVDs from us, you're going to have to buy the DVDs from us. Now, the problem was to purchase a DVD from the studio was more expensive than going to your local Target or Best Buy. Mm -hmm. So what Blockbuster thought of was say, you know what? It's too expensive to do that. We're going to send credit cards to all of our store managers. And we're going to have our store managers go to Best Buy, go to Target, go to Walmart, and buy the DVDs with the credit card so that they can rent them in their stores. Now, the problem with that was the credit cards that they gave us had no name on it. It didn't, have the, it didn't have the store manager's name on it, and it did not have Blockbuster Video on it either. It was a blank card. Weird. Yes. And the reason they did that, because they didn't want the public to know that they were struggling so hard that they were sending their store managers to Target and Walmart to buy DVDs for a Blockbuster to rent. So they didn't want any, uh, any part of being associated with it. Right. And they told us, if anyone ever questions you about this card, do not say you're from Blockbuster. Because they did not want anybody to know that. Okay, so, well that's, that's going to look more shady if it, somebody and, asks you. Right, right. But because, you know, and this is getting into leadership, right? You know, the leadership style that they had was an aerocratic er, er, leadership style where do as I say type of style. So I just followed and did what I was told to do because this is my boss. They're telling me to do it. I need to do it, which a lot of people can relate to that style. So I did that. I would get up on early on Tuesday mornings mm-hmm. and I will go and drive around town miles from different store to different store purchasing DVDs with a blank credit card with no name on it. Now, I wasn't just buying, you know, five, 10 DVDs. No, I was buying 100 to 200, maybe 300 DVDs. So you were filling up that shopping cart. I'm filling up the cart with a whole bunch of DVDs. So imagine this, filling up a cart with 50 Harry Potters, 100 Iron Man 2, and, oh, 25 Big Daddies, you know? I And, and I go... And try to check out. So, of course, the the cashier is looking very strange, like, what's going on? But the credit card worked. And so I was able to, you know, do it, do my job. But what ultimately happened 
was when I would go into a a, a uh, Target or a Walmart, I would see my fellow GM there at the same time. And we're both looking at each other trying to get DVDs for our store. So we're both trying to grab all the DVDs so that we can take it to our stores. And it, it became really, really frustrating doing that. And I hated getting up on Tuesday mornings to try to get be the first one to get a DVD, you know. It, it, it got crazy. It that's got a, really that's, crazy. That's a really shady way to do that because I, I was under the impression that when I buy a movie from Target for, you know, twelve ninety nine, that's for home use only. Like my yeah. – the license is for me to watch that at home. But when Blockbuster buys it, they're paying a lot more because they're allowed to resell and, and rent it out. Right, right. So, no, you're 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 absolutely right, and that's why it costs more to get it from the studios because we were using it to make money. Yeah. But yes, it was a shady thing. Um, and honestly, what happened for me was because I got tired of getting up on Tuesday mornings and seeing my fellow GMs, uh, store managers. I came up with the bright idea of where is there a 24-hour Walmart that I can go to. So at midnight, when they put out the new DVDs, I would be the only one there. So I don't, wouldn't have to fight with my other store managers. So in Valencia, there was a 24-hour Walmart at the time. And, uh, and that's what I did. So imagine this. Picture this. It's, it's midnight. African-American black man inside of a Walmart buying 50 copies of one title, uh, 75 copies of another title, with the credit card with no name on it. Very suspicious. Um, and so what I tried to do was go to the self-checkout so no one would say anything to me. Uh. And so I would check out. So I was able to do it for the first week. When I came back for the second week to do it, that's when the problem happened. And um, the they called security on me um, and questioned, what am I doing? The security called the police. And so now I'm being cornered by the police and security. They take me to the back, question me. And the first question they ask is, who do you work for? And the first thing I said was Blockbuster Video. <laughs> Ooh, you caved. Yeah, I, I was not going to get in trouble for them, you know. They put me through it, so. But when I said that, they didn't believe me. And they said, get out and don't ever come back. And they kicked me out. So honestly, that was really kind of a traumatic time for me because when I'm driving home, honestly, I, I, I cried because I've... I was doing what I was called to do. You know, I was doing what they wanted me to do. And then I get cornered by security and police and kicked out. And I called my district manager around one o'clock that morning and I told her I couldn't do it anymore. This is just too much. And I, and I said, from here on out, I'm never going to lead that way by being an aristocratic type style. I'm not going to be an aristocratic leader aristocratic leader. I'm going to lead and serve my team. I'm going to use what they call the servant leadership style. I'm going to take care of my people first, make sure that they're taken care of. And and that's how I got into servant leadership because of what happened to me at Blockbuster. So I took that over to Coffee Bean and was able to be really successful with that style. Right, so so you stuck around with Blockbuster until the bitter end. Till the bitter end, I was with Blockbuster. I worked with Blockbuster for eighteen years, yeah, and a long time. I left in twenty twelve. They ended ended up folding twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen. Okay, so from there, did you immediately go and get another full time job with another big company with with Coffee Bean? Right, so I, I immediately from Blockbuster went into Coffee Bean. So how how is it? I've always wondered when a company 
goes bankrupt and everyone sees Netflix gets big, Blockbuster gets small, and you show up at a new company with Blockbuster on your resume, yeah. is that is that a positive looking thing or is it the fact that you were in management for almost 20 years that, that looked you good? You know, it, it worked in my favor um, because when I left, the company was still around. Mm. So, you know, even though they were going through, you know, financial issues, they were still around. Um, so it, it worked for me. And because it showed and it showed that I've been with the company for so long, that also said that, oh, this person is going to be around for a while because look at his history. And, and that's how it worked for me. So it, it, it was it was a good, a good transition for me. Yeah. You know, Blockbuster still is around as Blockbuster Online. Yes. Yeah. And there is one store still around. Yeah. Um, I think it's in uh, Bend, Oregon. Yes. Yeah, some, yeah. yeah exactly. I've, I've seen I've seen people on Facebook go there and they got their they've got thousands of members you know yeah. to sign up for for membership cards. That's kind of neat. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a private owner um, franchise owner and he he kept the store. How cool is that? He's right. So, so t- tell me about uh, your position with Coffee Bean. What do they hire you for? Um, are you you still working in management? Are you training yes. other people? Okay. Yes, exactly. So. So with uh, Coffee Bean, I, I was hired as a general manager, uh, <clears throat> which is like a store manager. Um, I I ran the I ran one location for about a year. Uh, that location was struggling, so they brought me on because they needed someone to kind of bring the energy up in that store. Uh, and I I did it within a year. I was able to. Uh, you know, win some awards because of the the progress that I that I had at that location. Um, then I transferred to another location closer to home, and I was able within a couple years take that store to a, a few levels higher. Uh, became a training store where we train other general managers, district managers, uh, anyone from corporate office. They would come to my store. I would train them. Um, because of the success that I had at that store, I became, you know, um, I became a, a general manager of the year um, in 2015, and you know that kind of put me on a whole nother level as well. After that, you know, I became a district manager, and I ran a total of 20 stores, but in two different times. So first year I ran 10 stores. And then the second year, I ran another 10 stores. Um, but what I learned from being a district manager versus a general manager is it's two different types of, of management styles that's needed. Um, I'm very good with people. Uh, I love interacting with people. But when you become a district manager, it's a different type of skill set that's needed. It's not the same. And to be honest, I had some difficult times trying to figure out and get my footing right to, okay, how does this work? You know, how can I get my team to act like I did, but which was a mistake because everybody's not like me. Um, not to say that I'm all that, but, um, right. But we're all different. We're all different. And that's what I had to learn. I learned that, which was, it was a great learning experience, but I was self-aware and I realized that, you know what, I'm having a hard time and to to get across to some of my, my my team members and i talked to my boss to explain to them you know what i was going through and what she recommended to me was because of the type of style that i had because of the type of personality i had that she saw that there was an opportunity at home office that they needed someone to train their executives and the, the teams of the executives. So she pitched me to the VPs because they were going to hire an external trainer. But when she pitched me, they said, you know what, we're willing to take a, a chance on Corey. And so they brought me on to home office and that changed my life. It changed my life because I, was, I knew I was where I was supposed to be. I knew I was in my calling and I knew I was in my purpose. My purpose is to train, develop, motivate, inspire, encourage people, lead people, guide them. That's what I do. That's what I'm called to do. And I was able to do really well in that position and, and, and help them with the transition that they needed to transition from. 
So it, it, it was a great experience. And, and from that, I said, I'm going to just continue to pursue my calling of training and development, even outside of Coffee Bean. Yeah, that's that's so cool. So you went from a company that was massive that had uh, over, I think, 9,100 exactly. stores almost, 85,000 employees at, at yep. its peak. Uh, and, and you were managing one store? At, at, at uh, Blockbuster? Yeah, blo yes, Blockbuster. Yes, and, and then to go to Coffee Bean, which I always thought was a huge company that, yeah. you know, that rivals some of the other larger uh, coffee chains. Right. Uh, there's only 200 in locations the in, in the U.S., and you've, uh, you were overseeing 20 of them. That's a big chunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was. You know, and it was 10 at each time. It, it, it was a big chunk. And, you know, but again, a lot of people, you know, like you said, didn't know that, you know, coffee bean is, is not as big as a lot of people think it is. Um, however, overseas, they're huge overseas, huge overseas, over a thousand stores, a thousand locations overseas. Is, is that new or is that, uh, have they been growing they've, for a they've, while? They've been uh, pretty big overseas for a while. Um, uh, a lot of people discover coffee being overseas first. And then when they come to LA or California, it's like, oh, I knew about this and Oh, Iran. I saw it out in Israel. I saw it, you know, in 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 Asia. You know, so we're 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 known there, and uh, but we're growing. We are growing, and we're gonna even grow even faster now that we have another another company that's gonna help us get to that next level. Cool. So you uh, so Coffee Bean kind of gave you the opportunity to find your your purpose and your passion yes. and kind of develop yourself. As yes. a trainer for young people, yes, and uh, one of the important things for you is to help those young people, those young leaders, find yes. their purpose and their passion. Like, what is the difference between your purpose and your and your passion, and why is are they so important? Well, you know, a lot of us have a passion. You know, we're passionate about something. You know, um, for me, I was passionate about acting. You know, I really wanted to be an actor. I wanted my name to be on the you know in lights on the big screen, having my star on a walk of fame. I used to dream about that all the time. And so I worked really, really, really hard for that to come true. Um, but it, it didn't, it didn't come to fruition. And I didn't understand because I had a few of my friends that will, I will look on TV and I'll see them on a TV show. I'll see them on commercials. And I'm saying to myself, how are you guys booking these jobs and I'm not, you know, because I'm working really hard. And one of my friends said, well, I just go in and do what they tell me to do. And, and But that wasn't good enough for me. I mean, I'm like, no, what exactly is it? So one day I uh, I went out on an audition and I felt like I, I did great. And I, call, I called my agent and just let her know I did great. I know I did great. Well, I found out that I didn't get the job. So I told her, can you call the casting director and to find out what was it that I did or did not do to not get the job because I really felt strong that I got the job. So my agent called the casting director, then the casting director called me back or, or the agent called me, my agent, agent called me back and uh, she said, hey, I talked to her, they said you did really good. And I said, well, if I did really good, how come I didn't get the job? And she said, that's why you didn't get the job because you did good, just like everybody else did good. You didn't stand out. Oh. You, did what, you did what everybody else was doing. So that's what it was a wake-up call to me was, wait a minute, you know, I'm putting in all this work and I'm still not getting it, but my friends are getting it and they're, they are, they are naturally gifted and talented and that's why they're booking these jobs. So I really sat down one day and said, what is it that I do with the least amount of effort but get the greatest results? And that's what's managing and leading. I, I, I do that naturally. And so that's when I started to focus on my purpose. My passion was acting, but my purpose was leading and managing. And so what I like a lot of people to, to get away from is is your passion and it's great to have a passion and a lot of times your passion can lead you to your purpose because that's what happened with me but 
I, for the young adults out there, the young leaders, I really want them to really evaluate themselves and really, you know, be self-aware of who they really are. Because once you know who you are, then you can start working on a business or a career within your strengths. Not because you'd like to. It's just like watching American Idol. You see those singers come on and, and they finally get in front of the, 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 you know, the panel and they're singing their heart out, but they're terrible. They're passionate about it, but they can't sing. So I just want people to realize just because you're passionate about something doesn't necessarily mean that you're called to do that thing. Right. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's your hobby. That's that, your hobby. You know, that you love yeah. doing and, you know, and do it, you know, enjoy it, but and, it might and not that's be your what living. I, Right. And and that's what I do with young adults. I actually help them discover what their, you know, what their strengths are, what their gifts are. I do an assessment with them and we break it down and then I can help them figure out, okay, this is what you're naturally gifted in. This is your natural strengths and this is your natural talent. Now let's figure out what can you do based around that? Because when you do that, it makes your job so much easier because you're just kind of just going in the flow because, and you're trying to figure out, wow, I'm getting all these results naturally because you're just naturally gifted in that. Yeah. I want to ask you, you, you mentioned that, uh, that you do training events even outside of coffee bean and how you had these friends that were booking gigs, all these you know actors. And before you mentioned yeah. that you had worked with other celebrities, uh, I know you had started another business where you kind of brought the celebrities together into your your training. Yeah, so yeah. I'd, I'd love to hear kind of about that and how that came about and what you do with it. Yeah, yeah, Corn. So, so what happened was, you know, as a entrepreneur, you know, one of the the primary, uh, I guess, the priority of an entrepreneur is solving problems, and 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 that's what I was able to do. I had a friend of mine who worked in the universities and college systems where he would tour and do public speaking. And talking to him, I found out that a lot of these organizations had a budget and a lot of, a lot of uh, departments had budgets to bring on speakers, but they didn't know where to find these speakers. So because I was in the entertainment industry, those couple of friends of mine that I was always booking gigs, um, I talked to them and I said, hey, when you guys are not working, what, what are you doing? When you're not on TV and you're not doing your commercials, what are you doing? And they're like, well, Corey, we're, we're unemployed. <laughs> we're trying to get the next job, you know? And for them, they didn't want to work a nine to five because they were known. And it was it was kind of an ego or, um, you know, uh, it, was a, it was an ego thing for them. Like, I can't be at, the grocery store bagging groceries when people just saw me on TV last night. So for me, I said, you know what? I think I have an opportunity for you guys. And what it was, was I found out that schools had a budget. It could be $5,000, $10,000, budget to bring on celebrities. For, right? for what? For, for one hour? Or it, could, it could be for a one hour uh, hosting gig. It could be hosting different events it could be facilitating uh, a workshop you know but when you throw that kind of celebrity onto it that brings on more money now in hollywood my guys were you know may be considered just regular people in hollywood because we see celebrities walking down the street all, all day but when you take them and take them to north carolina or alabama they're stars and so those universities will pay for that. My goodness. So what I did was I got together with two of my friends um, and we figured out, okay, what are we going to talk about? You know, and this was an opportunity for me to continue to, to speak and, and, and teach and engage. So I, and so I said, okay, let's, let's talk about following your dreams. You know, what, what do we know? And we talked about following your dreams and we created a, a presentation with all three of us where we would talk about following your dreams. I, w- I would talk about networking, the important, importance of networking. Another friend of mine was talking about building your craft. And the third one was talking about never giving up. 
And so we put it together. We connected with my friend that was in the universities, and we got our first gig in Arizona, at Arizona State. We got on stage. We did our thing for 75 minutes. Now, this that was, be it that it was our first one, this one was free um, because we wanted to get out there. Right. But after that, that next gig that we had maybe a few months later, that one was probably 5000 the next one after that was about 10000 The next one after that was 12000 It just continued to grow and grow and grow. And that's how my company at the time was called Say Celeb. Say Celebrity. But I caught the, cut the celebrity off and just called it Say Celeb. And as the owner and manager of them, I was able to solve the problems for the universities and solve the problems for my friends and get oh, them awesome. paid. Yeah. yeah. Did, did you, t- you guys talk about the same thing every time? Was it up to you or did the universities tell you we would really love it if uh, this person came, mm-hmm. but we want him to talk about uh, this topic? Yes. So we had our uh, primary, our key speech that we did together and it was called Brotherhood to Hollywood. You know, three brothers' journeys to success, right? Mm-hmm. And But sometimes... A, a school may say, hey, I like, you know, the three guys, but can I just have that one? And, and you're right, Corn. They will say, yeah, we'll love him to come and just talk about manhood. You know, no problem. I can make that I can make that happen. You know, how much do you want to pay? You know, and so I will get just the one. He'll talk about manhood. I had another uh, school university, actually, the North Carolina A&T State University, which is my alma mater. Um, they, they needed a host for their homecoming shows. And I had a friend of mine that he hosted. So I was able to get him and host a homecoming show. Um, so yeah, I, I made it happen. Whatever they wanted, I was able to put it together. And it was so fun doing that because I was able to be with my friends. We were able to travel together. I was able to fulfill my purpose of educating and motivating and inspiring and get paid on top of it. So that was something that just just worked out. And it was the beginning of me, of my journey to to continue growing and doing that. Yeah, I I think it's so cool that you were able to, while you're still employed, because you still uh, work as the district manager at Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf, but you've also started this business, Say Celeb, and uh, you're a published author. You you wrote a book about starting a business while you're working a nine-to-five. And I'd love to hear hear about that. I want to hear about your book and the process of even writing a book while working this other job. How can you balance those two things? You know what? To be honest, it is tough. It's not easy. Um, but what happened was a few years ago, I was sitting with another friend of mine, uh, his name is David. And, and we always talked about, you know, writing a book. He wanted to write a book. I wanted to write a book. So every night, every other night we will go into the coffee shop, sometimes coffee beans, sometimes the other guys. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and every night we will just work on our own individual books and, I, I wanted to write something that I knew about. I wanted to be a subject matter expert. And the only things that came to my mind is my experience. And people will always ask me, Corey, how do you do this? How do you do that? I say, you know what? I'm just going to put it in a book. And so I started writing. And every night I would do it. I'll work on a chapter. I'll bounce ideas off with, with, with uh, David. And we'll get on a whiteboard and just put it all together. And I started putting the chapters together of basically how I balance work and family. And, you know, just a few chapters is just number one. And we talked about it earlier is evaluating yourself. You know, how do you evaluate yourself? You know, there's different personality tests out there that I never knew about until a few years ago that you can take that can actually help you and figure out what your strengths and gifts are. Uh, once you discover that, chapter two is, okay, now think of a business idea around that. Well, again, we talked about that. And then just to give you a little taste after that is goal achievement versus 
uh, goal setting. So I talk about achieving your goals, not just setting your goals. Anybody could set a goal, but everybody can achieve a goal. So I break down in that chapter, how do you achieve the goals that you set? So that book is for the, the young leader who is trying to figure out what direction they want to go in, trying to figure out how do I, you know, I, I, I have a job, but I have, you know, a boyfriend or a girlfriend and I'm trying to start a business too. I think I want to do that. This book is for them to help guide them to help them you know, succeed in the journey that they're trying to pursue. So that's, that's how it happened. And, it, and it's based off of my story, real life situations. What kind of other stuff can we find uh, in this book? Uh, you've got tips for uh, finding your passion and your mm -hmm. purpose. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned, you know, what kind of business can I start? Do you help people kind of narrow down um, how they can be successful in that business, how to figure out uh, mm -hmm. how to right make the them. business? Yeah. And if the business is right, period. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you know, I also talk about, you know, love and relationships. You know, that's a big piece there, too, especially, you know, for those that may be married, you know, those that have children. How do you balance that? You know, I have I'm married with two children. I have a 12-year-old and a 6-year-old. And, you know, I work 9 to 5. Uh, I have my business. I have the book. You know, and how, how do you balance that? So, you know, I talk about family and priorities, you know, how to set your priorities. Um, patience, you know, I talk about that and in, in, in the different steps as well. So it's, it's not only, you know, it could, I, I'm focusing towards the young leaders because I'm really passionate about them and, and, and wanting them to succeed. And, and I don't want them to get caught off track going down the wrong path. So I really want to, you know, help them. But it's also for those that are like me. They may say, you know, I've worked already, but I always had a, a dream to be a chef but I don't know how to start. This helps them as well. How do you guide and, and, and get that started? You know, how do you fund your business, you know, from beginning? What are the different ways to do it, diff different ways of, of, of achieving that? So I talk about funding your business. And, you know, so it's, it's, it's all those different things all put together in one and just balance it so that you ultimately will be successful. That's good. It sounds like your book answers a lot of questions that I've had about starting a business. And really? you even mentioned some questions that I hadn't even considered. So really, that's th good. <laughs> things you got to think about. You know what? I, I'm I'm glad you said that because um, you know it's always a fear whenever you're creating something from scratch that is are people going to connect to it? You know, and that's the one fear that I I had while writing this is I just hope someone gets it. You know, I just hope it can help. Just one. If you can just give me one, I did my job, you know. So that's that's the ultimate goal there. That's awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to reading your book. And I appreciate your insight both uh, into entrepreneurship and yes. uh, how uh, work is at these bigger businesses, especially uh, the whole story with Blockbuster, just because I'm fascinated <laughs> by the whole home video oh entertainment market. What, yeah. what a story. Yeah, well, no, it, 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 it was a wild story. It was funny. I was talking to my wife a couple nights ago, and I asked her, I said, do you remember when I would get up and, and, and buy DVDs, you know, at night? And she said, of course I remember that, because I thought that was the shadiest thing in the world. <laughs> it was, and it's funny that that was the official business model. Yes, it was. It, it was crazy, you know, but they were they were struggling, and they were trying to, to survive then, and they did you know, all they could to, to stay, uh, you know, a, a breath, you know, stay above water. And um, ultimately, they were like the Titanic. Yeah. It sank. They, 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 tried, gotta, they tried a lot of stuff. Like, I remember they had Blockbuster Music, and that yes. kind of came and went. And, you know, they were always just, just one step uh, behind everyone else. You know what? And one thing, too, uh, another little inside Blockbuster, since, you you know, you're kind of fascinated about Let's Blockbuster. Let's hear it. Yeah. So... You know, we were up for auction. Um, we were we had put ourselves up for sale to the highest bidder. 
and this was 2010, 2011. And so I remember having uh, my cell phone and getting these alerts because it was giving me live alerts of who was the highest bidder. And it was a lot of like liquidators that just wanted to buy the company so they can oh. liquidate everything. And so I said, I'll get the alerts. That, oh, because it was someone that was at the actual hearing that was posting it. And I was uh, linked on. And um, so I'm I'm at Blockbuster behind the register checking out videos. And I'll get the alert to say, oh, oh my gosh, this, this company, they're, they're the highest bidder right now. And I'm like, oh, my God, am I going to have a job? So ultimately, who outbid everyone was dish dish satellite that explains their so, blockbuster online yes so dish bought us and when dish bought us everything changed because dish really in their minds they wanted to take over all of the retail locations so they can start this kind of dish retail locations right, right? like a, like a fedex kinko's correct you know. correct correct so um, so then what ended up happening, we started selling a lot of things that weren't video related. I mean, we were selling, so of course we, we, were, we were selling TVs, okay, so that's kind of video related, but it wasn't renting videos, but we were selling TVs. We were obviously selling the, the popcorn and the candy, but then we started selling couches. We actually sold what the heck? a couch, right? You t- turned into a big lots. We turned into a big lots. Exactly, it was a Seven Eleven mixed with a big lots. It, we had so much stuff at the register, all kinds of knickknacks and everything. It was it was crazy, and so I'm like, oh my gosh! And then what uh, Dish wanted us to do, we had to then become salesmen because they wanted us to sell Dish subscriptions, mm. and they put the pressure on us that we had to sell a certain amount every week. So we weren't just a friendly blockbuster guy and girl just checking out videos. We were became that slimy sales guy like, hey, you know what? Hey, let's talk about your dish. What do you use for cable? It became that. We, we had lost our identity completely. And it, it became very uncomfortable working at big lots <laughs> yeah you know sell, selling novelty uh dvd rewinders for 29.99 yes that yes. i can take but yes just subscription i don't know about that the, the subscription and the couch that's what did it for me because what happened we we had a uh a a big screen tv that was showing videos and we had a couch where people could kind of sit down and watch the videos and i guess dish said you know what people are sitting on these couches Let's start selling these things. Yeah, and did you at all, though? Did anyone walk into a Blockbuster to get a movie and walked out with a couch? No, right, right. Never happened. Yeah, okay. Never happened. <laughs> Never happened. You know, that was, a, that was a lost cause, you know. So, yeah, I, I got out of there real quick after that. It was, it was, it was a wrap. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you, you saw the writing on the wall, and, and yeah. I'm glad you did because it sounds like you found your passion after yes. that. Yes, I did. I was able to merge that passion with my purpose and, and, and everything worked out. Fascinating story. Thank you so much for, for sharing it. Uh, Corey oh, Curtiz, um, your book again is called The 10-Step Workerpreneur, How to Start Your Own Business While Working a 9-to-5 and Balancing Life, right? Yes, yes. That's it. You got it. And it's available on Amazon? It'll be available. Yes, it's available on Amazon um, at the end of July. And, and your uh, website also. What is your website address? CoreyCurtis.com. So that's Corey, C-O-R-E-Y, Curtis, C-U-R-T-I-E-S.com. Cool. Well, thanks for joining us again, Corey. Uh, this is uh, Secrets of Tomorrow's Leaders. I'm Corey Young with RK Studios. And for JCI Santa Clarita, thanks for listening. Thanks, Corey. It was a pleasure. <laughs>